Welcome to Roeville Uniting Church and the reflection of the day from the Reverend Trevor Bassett. So, um, sometimes the internet's pretty useful, I reckon. Found this little quote um, on the internet that's from someone I've never heard of. Um, Jim, Jim Burklow, his name is. Probably an American, I would suggest. The I Am Passages of John's Gospel, the I am, though, you know, there's a lot of them, I am, may be Jesus' poetic expressions of a mystical experience in which his personality and ego fall away and the only reality he senses is that of God. If this is how we might understand the passages, then when Jesus said, I am the way, no one comes to the Father but by me, this could mean that the way to God is to become one with God as Jesus did. I am the name of God in the Hebrew Scriptures. Just an interesting thought as I go into my sermon this morning. So, here we go. Week three of the marathon of John chapter 6. We have two more weeks of John chapter 6 left after this one. And it really is a bread feast, or if uh, a term I used last week, a food trail. So to recap, a couple of thoughts and events. The marathon begins with the feeding of 5,000. Jesus escapes the crowd who want to make him king, and then later joins his disciples, coming to them in their boat across the water. The crowd, realising that Jesus is gone, they go around the lake to seek him out on the other side. Jesus declares he is the bread of heaven. We can eat this bread, we will never be hungry. Jesus is the bread without a use-by date. But so far, the people are still not really getting it. They still seem to be asking him to perform some kind of sign. And, you know, the 21st century reader who's reading the story now, I don't know about you, but I'm thinking as I read it, but he's already given the sign. What were you not seeing? Jesus, the bread of life. Such a food as Jesus speaks of is no ordinary food. This is not just some food that will satisfy the individual who eats it. This bread of life is going to offer sustenance and life to all people. And, you know, sometimes we say to all people, but I really want to say all people. Back in the day, when some of you were perhaps quite young, the Christian faith was heavily regulated. I'm talking about the Reformation, by the way. <laughs> so, you know, really talking back in the day, I was just being really rude. Back in the day, Christian faith was heavily regulated. 
you were really controlled by a church that not only regulated what you believed, but also governed your country. Christianity was powerful. It was, in fact, I want to suggest it was all-powerful. And the saying is well and true. Power corrupts, and absolute power absolutely corrupts. The church was so corrupt that we needed the Reformation. People rejected this assimilation and began to learn and began to think for themselves. What a good thing that was. I alluded to this thought last week, but Jesus teaches with stories and parables. And the thing about this kind of teaching is that interpretation is always required. So I love that we can read together a parable like, a really well-known one, for instance, the Good Samaritan. And there are so many ways that we can talk about the Good Samaritan parable. And there are so many things that can come out of it And there are so many things that we can share with each other, different angles, different approaches, that we can read that story and talk about it over and over and we will continue to find new things that come out of a story like that. So it seems to me that the teaching of Jesus does not give us lots of absolutes. I think... Many absolutes have been placed on to the teaching of Jesus over time. And to be really honest, they have been used to beat us around and keep us in line. And they have not been life-giving or liberating because in some cases they have even been threatening. So dare I say it, that this sort of absolutism or fundamentalism hardly seems to be the life-giving bread that will never see us hunger, will never see us thirst. So today, the question that I really wanted to focus on is, who are the hungry today? And following on from this question, what are the consequences of feeding the hungry with the life-giving bread that Jesus speaks about. Can, Can people accept the offer of the bread of life and share in it without the body being changed? So when we eat, and I have been known to overindulge on the odd occasion, the physical body can change and does change. But if we take the analogy of Jesus and the bread of life, when the body of Christ shares the bread, so too the body changes. So first, the hungry. I guess guess we are all hungry at some level. But even within my lifetime, I want to suggest that the church in I grew up was an Anglo church, and it was sort of Anglo-hungry. And and since the Second World War, Australian culture has changed, 
and we have been blessed as we have become a diverse and multicultural community. And while this has changed us, it has also changed the church. It seems that we cannot eat the bread of life together without sharing this food in uniquely cultural, different ways. And so as we do this, the body is altered. The understandings that we bring, we begin to find that we come to them in a different way. And we are really blessed as a church as we embrace this, this multiculturalism. It has changed us. Now, the Uniting Church is often looked at as an ageing or dying church. And, you know, sometimes I think about this and I have to say, well, it's a bit hard to refute this. Yet within our church, there is real growth in congregations that are of Pacific Islander backgrounds, from Korean backgrounds, from Chinese backgrounds. How interesting, whilst not a part of the Uniting Church, but we have a Romanian congregation that worships in, in our building every week and, and that changes us in some way. We have churches that have grown up within the Uniting Church that are from African backgrounds. And wasn't it great that we had Nathaniel as our student just a few years ago, bringing a different cultural perspective, a Sudanese man. Often, often these churches that have sprung up within the Uniting Church are monocultural. But over time, particularly once those, those congregations get to their second generation, they begin to become more multicultural and they change significantly, and they have changed us in the Uniting Church. As we are fed together, as we share the body together, the bread of life, the body alters, and we begin to understand things and interpret things with different ears and different eyes. As I have journeyed with some of those congregations because we have challenges together and in my role uh, with the presbytery of Yarra Yarra, particularly in the last three years of the chair of PRC, um, I have seen some of the challenges that we have dealt with within the Uniting Church and, and some people have suggested as we, we, we seek a way together that there is compromise. And not everybody has been happy with the compromise because it's changed us as a church. But, you know, I am not so sure that it is always that it is compromise, but rather it is that we are growing together. We are growing in new understandings and new ways of being as we share the bread of life together we are growing and diversifying. We have really had to come to grips with what it means as a multicultural church to be unified in our diversity. So this extends, I think. We need to see the hungry as much more, of course, than our multiculturalism. To really look at the hungry, we need to look at those who are excluded 
from our church, excluded for a variety of reasons. For large periods of the church's life, women were excluded from many aspects of the church's life, most significantly from its leadership. And in some Christian denominations, sadly, women are still excluded from positions of leadership and ordination in churches. You know, I cannot imagine what the Uniting Church would look like if we had continued to exclude women from our leadership. How bereft would we be? But I also know that men and women see things differently. We bring different approaches to the way we deal with problems. We bring different approaches to the way that we interpret scriptures. And so I think as women have been embraced in church leadership, in, it has brought different ways of experiencing and understanding the scriptures. And so it's great for me to pick up a book that brings a feminist perspective to a passage in the Bible. And guess what? It's different to the male perspective that I might have brought. And so my horizons are broadened as I feed together with the author that I am reading on the bread of life and I recognise that I am being fed. There are positive consequences, aren't there, when we recognise and feed those who are excluded from our life. We change and we grow. As we share the bread of life with the hungry, they bring new possibilities, new interpretation. And, you know, this doesn't make wrong faithfully held positions that we hold. It just means that we are growing in our understanding and we might choose to let some things go and embrace other things. We grow and we alter as we share in the bread of life. It means we see things in different and new ways. The model of Christ seems to invite us into this growing and changing, this altering of the way we understand things so that the body might grow together and, yes, as it changes together, as the hungry are fed. Could this have been some of what Jesus was saying when he said, I am the bread of life. Come to me and you will never be hungry. So change continues to happen in our uniting church, especially as we follow on uh, from the, the last assembly meeting. And I discovered yesterday at Presbytery that there is much discussion happening within our church about the issue of sexuality and marriage. Many are again fearful about what this means. I believe this is again a case where we are allowing the bread of life to feed those who are excluded. 
It is offering sustenance to those who have not been sustained because of their exclusion. And I believe as we embrace this, this new step in this new direction for us, which is not exactly a right angle turn, it's one we have been sort of shifting towards, we will continue to grow as we are challenged and as we change and we will continue to be blessed as we have in every time when the excluded have been offered the bread of life. So today I wanted to ask the, a final question. Are, are there still people whom we are excluding? One lady who has been coming the last couple of weeks, she's not here today, said she has started to come to us because of the decision of the assembly, because her gay son has been excluded from the church and she is able to come to a church that is fully inclusive. But I wonder if we are. I wonder whether we are. And I wonder whether we... Because I know that when I look at those who we've embraced, who maybe were excluded, I was blind to their exclusion. So I am now finding myself wondering whether there are others that I am blind about, whether there are others who are excluded in our life, in our community, from our church, that I am unaware of, that you are unaware of. And it invites me into a reflection where I want to ask myself, who are those who are still longing to be fed, but whom we are not offering the bread of life. So I want us to take that thought away today because I'm blind to it. I don't know the answers. I have nothing to suggest right now. But I invite us all to seriously ask the question, who is longing to be fed that currently we do not offer the bread of life to? Yes, we all get anxious about change. All of us. This anxiety is understandable, but it should not prevent us from feeding the hungry the bread of life. Amen. Thank you for listening to the reflection of the day from the Reverend Trevor Bassett at Roval Uniting Church. Roval is a suburb of Melbourne in Victoria, Australia. We look forward to welcoming you back to another reflection of the day soon. You are always welcome at our weekly worship services held at 10am each Sunday.